This, this, this is, 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 is Fight Disciples. We are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. Once again, this week, uh, my esteemed colleague, Nicholas Peets, is not with me in the studio. Last week, he dumped me for uh, Michael Bisping. This week, he's dumped me for um, his brand spanking new offspring, which I might add isn't quite here as yet, but will be uh, within hopefully the next 24 hours. Your wife's ready to drop in it, mate. She sure is, mate. Yeah, I think it actually by the time people are listening to this podcast, the baby Peter will be here. That's it. The, uh, the Pete family will have expanded. That's it, exactly. Do you, know what you're ha- Do you know what you're having yet? No, don't know yet. Nice surprise. So uh, we'll wait and see. Wait and see tomorrow. So we've got a boy at the moment. It'd be nice to have two boys, I guess. But then <laughs> men make girls, apparently, I've been told. So really? Men make girls, that's what they say. Easier lads, aren't they? Easier. Yeah, oh God, yeah, yeah. We've both got lads, you see. They're easier to clean. I can't, I can't imagine, like, doing nappies for a girl, me. <laughs> no, definitely not, no. But, uh, you know, maybe this time tomorrow I'll tell you all about it, Adam. Yeah, keep, keep them stories to yourself. We'll do them next week on next week's podcast. Uh, this week it's all about looking back at uh, obviously last weekend's fantastic show at the O2 Arena. Um, I've got to eat. I've got to eat a bit of humble pie, mate. Last week I did say that Joshua would have to get off off the canvas to win the fight. Um, I've had doubts about him. I think I've tried to cast doubts about Anthony Joshua just for the sake of casting doubts about him because I don't want to believe that it's too good to be true. Yet yeah. Dominic Brazil comes with. Olympic pedigree. Yes, he was slightly bigger. The reach, necessarily not so. Uh, and I wanted Brazil. I wanted him to test him. I wanted Joshua to win, but I wanted Brazil to do the test and show him, you know what I mean, the, the tough war that uh, we, we come to expect in the heavyweight division. However, probably for me, his best performance, Anthony Joshua, he just looked so calm, so cool, so collected. And when he needed to, he just did the business. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he didn't pull the trigger well and... Um... You know, I was like you when we spoke last on last week's show. I was tipping a an early finish for Joshua. I didn't think Brazil would be, be able to stand up to his shots. And you know, good on the kid. He did show he had, he had a good chin. He did take a lot of big shots in those early rounds. Obviously, eventually Joshua wore him down. And I think once Brazil had that, I think he had, he had a little bit of success didn't he, in that seventh round. He landed a shot, which was probably the first shot he landed in about five or six rounds. And it was the worst thing that could have happened because he he got a bit excited then and tried to tried to exchange with Joshua and, and after and Joshua pulled his lights out. So, you know, it's uh you wanna get we wanna get carried away, don't we, but we're British. Yeah. So we can't. You know, we desperately want to We've just seen England get beat off Iceland, mate. I'm not getting carried away with anything. Yeah, that's true, exactly. So uh let's rein ourselves in a minute. But uh you know, for me Joshua's possibly the hardest hit and most explosive Heavyweight on the planet right now, you know. Is he the best that we've had since? Uh, is he the best we've had since Lennox? Do you think? Um, quite possibly, quite possibly. It, obviously, Tyson's proved himself to be completely and utterly formidable at his style of boxing. It's it's not great on the eye, you know. Tyson's not the the best advert- advertisement, if you like, for the the halcyon division of professional boxing of what was known as the sweet science, you know, it, it is what it is. He is He's so big and so cumbersome. He soaks up pressure and then he puts people away. Mm. Anthony Joshua is completely different. He looks like a model. He fights like a warrior. Uh, he's entertaining. He people love him, man. Crowd. I mean, different yeah. types of crowd come out to watch him, don't they? 
A hundred percent, you know. And what we've seen so far is seventeen fights and seventeen knockouts. It's you know, it's been a phenomenal ride so far. As I said, we we if we were Americans, if if this was an American podcast and this was an American fighter, we would be absolutely going ballistic right now because this guy is the real deal. He looks the part. He walks. The t- he talks the talk. Walks the walk. All all all. He checks every box. But because we're British, yeah, and because we know better. Then we will say, oh, you know, he hasn't fought this type of guy. Oh, he's still a little bit slow. Oh, he's carrying too much muscle mass. You know, oh, but what will he be like against a big guy like Fury? Listen, so far he's obliterated everybody he's put in front of him. It's a mixture of people. Dillian White was a complete contrast to to Brazil was on Saturday night. You know, let's let's cut him a little bit of slack here. Let's, Let's sing it from the rooftops, you know. We've got the... Potentially the most exciting ticket seller in professional boxing. So forget about you know the the pound for pound debate and all that kind of business. This is the heavyweight division. You know the heavyweight division and the rest of boxing are two completely different things. The heavyweight champion of the world should be, in my opinion, the number one superstar on the planet the way it used to be. And right now we've got two guys with belts, but this guy is uh, you know this guy isn't controversial. He's clean cut. He's wholesome. And he's absolutely doing the business. Let's be excited about him. Fans will uh, obviously be calling for a bigger challenge. But you've just mentioned there, 17 fights is nothing. Especially in heavyweight boxing, it's nothing. 17 fights, 17 wins, 17 knockouts. Yeah, he looks good. There is absolutely no need for Eddie Hearn, his promoter, to rush this kid, to stick him in with someone big. I mean, I saw that Deontay Wilder immediately called him out, the WBC champion, another big punching American is there any point in putting him in there yet and risking all the jewels? Why? You know, why? Andy Joshua only turned pro in 2013. He's, had, he's been a pro for two and a half years. In the last, what is it, nine months, eight months, he's won the Commonwealth title, the British title, the IBF world title, and he's defended the IBF world title. He's only like 25, 26-year-old kid. Most heavyweights don't blossom until the 30, 31, 32. Now, this guy is ahead of the curve. Why? What's the rush of trying to unify the titles? Unless Eddie Hearn and everybody else knows something we don't. Unless Anthony Joshua said, I'm retiring by 30. But we've heard all that before. Anyway, you know, David Hay yeah. said he was retiring every other year when he was, when he was a champion. So, uh, you know, uh, I've seen an interview with Eddie Hearn in the aftermath of the, the win and he said it was a tough camp for Joshua. You know, he's, He's been so busy and four fights in, in nine months or whatever it is for a heavyweight is yeah. ridiculous. But he's been that busy all the time. You know, he's, he's been that busy since he turned pro. He, the reason he was that busy is because they didn't want to slow him down. They wanted to build on the momentum of winning the Olympic gold in London. And they wanted to hit the ground running because they'd seen an opportunity with the heavyweight division. They've done that. He is the heavyweight champion of the world right now. He is the biggest ticket seller in the heavyweight division right now, in my opinion. So we're there. Now it's time to, you know, I like the way Eddie Hearn, I think it was yesterday, he done an interview yesterday and he said, of course I'm loose now. I've said to him, go and enjoy yourself, go and be a kid. And that's what he, to be honest, that's what he looked like he needs. I thought he was very polished against Brazil. But for me, that little bit of snap didn't look like it was there. Don't get me wrong, the finish was great. The, he was very patient. You know, he didn't he didn't rush into anything against yeah. the big guy. He was, you can obviously punch. You don't want him to fall out of love with it, do you? You want, you want him to absolutely buzz of it. And if it's happening week in, week out, month in, month out, 
then you lose a little bit of that. It becomes a job, and you don't want him to do that. Like, I think that's the right thing to do. Send him away. Go on holiday, sunshine. Go and drink some tequila. Yeah. Go and enjoy yourself for a bit, and then exactly. and then come back, and we'll do some business next year. How many lads have we had in the studio, Adam, that will come into us and go, oh, you know, it's, I had one fight too many last year, or all they ever do is I'm in training camp, and the fight gets cancelled, or whatever it is. You know, when they've got a when they've got a, a a carrot dangling in front of them, when they become a champion and they can kind of, you know, fight two or three times a year of them, four or five types a year, that's when you see the best out of them. That's when you see the buzz and the them really buzzing and that twinkle behind the eyes. You know, that's when they're really passionate about the game. I bet you right now, Anthony Joshua, hopefully he's he's in some far foreign lands beautiful beach now sipping tequila as you say out of a coconut shell because he deserves it you know I hope he's surrounded by books and beauties he's got a couple of his mates around and we've got the tunes on chilling on the beach and I hope he's got no intentions of putting any gloves on for at least a couple of weeks because he doesn't need to he's done what he set out to do mm. he's the heavyweight champion of the world this is the time to enjoy it now you know, four fights in nine months is crazy. Yeah. It, hopefully, don't get me wrong, I'm hoping he fights again before the end of the year, and I think he probably will do. But I think we're looking at probably October, November, maybe even December. Then next year, they might do another stadium outside of the football season. You know, that's, that's what you've got to try and look at now. You know, how can they maximise his potential? You know, Wembley works any time of the year, but get him up to... Old Trafford, or get them up to you know another stadium, another take them around the country again like they used to. Don't get me wrong, he's going to be under so much pressure now to fight in the US as well. You know they will they'll want him in Vegas. It's only a matter of time before we lose him to Las Vegas. Just just let him chill now. Let him enjoy being the heavyweight champion of the world. Let him kick back mm. and relax. And you know we did the number over Brazil and Brazil. Listen, Brazil on paper was seventeen and zero with a bunch of knockouts himself. The guy was legit. You know, people now are starting to question how good Brazil actually was here. David A on the on the commentary was saying, you know, but who's he actually beat all that kind of stuff? You think, well, the guy's seventeen and oh, he was a legit contender, you know, it wasn't he wasn't hand picked from the bottom of the rankings. This guy was well ranked within the US heavyweight title picture, probably number you know, certainly top ten in the US. So the guy the guy deserved his shot, if you like. So this this wasn't like the guy who Joshua blew away Charles Martin, who seemed to win the lottery by picking up that belt. Brazil deserved the mm. shot at the belt. I think so David. Then, I think David Ayer takes that stance because he knows full well that the chance of him fighting Anthony Joshua is few and far between. There's not a cat in hell's chance that Eddie uh, is going to put those two together. Because if we're honest, he's he's a dangerous fighter. He's David Ayer. Yeah. But he hasn't really, at this moment in time, earned the chance. I know that he's a former uh, unified cruiserweight world champion. I know he's a former heavyweight WBA uh, world champion. But he's come back and he's fought a couple of schmucks. And it's why? Why would people? Why would you want to risk it? Why would you want to risk the, the, what Anthony Joshua is building right at this moment in time to go and fight David Hare? He's already selling out the O2, as you've just said. He's already selling out the pay per views on the telly. Why, why would he want to go and do it? Exactly. I don't know. That's the, to answer your question, I don't know why he would. Why would you? Both these guys are selling out the O2. So the only way this fight happens is if they do it at Wembley and they do a huge event like they did with Fuck Groves. That would sell an awful lot of tickets. Obviously, David Hay brings a huge non-boxing crowd just like Anthony Joshua does as well. So financially, you could argue it makes sense. Mm. But from a career trajectory, you know, that would be... We talk, mentioned that about winning the lottery that'd be like David Hay winning the lottery yeah 
get him to fight Anthony Joshua right now and why should he? You know, I'm a big David Hay fan. You know, I've always been a big David Hay fan and I really like him as a guy as well. I think he's a, he's a top bloke. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, he pulled out twice against Tyson Fury and really held up Tyson's career for a couple of years there and that shouldn't be forgotten, you know. That's, that's not something no, absolutely. over. No, absolutely. I just touched on it then as well since he's come back. Who's he actually for? Yeah. Well, you know, use the perfect word, schmucks. That's who he's for. <laughs> well, I've heard um, the rumour is that the IBF are uh, are going to uh, order uh, Joshua versus uh, Joe Parker, the New Zealand lad. They're going to order yeah. that um, for around November the 9th. So that fits in exactly with what you've just said regarding a timeline. Uh, and then the IBF will, after the of that, will order a mandatory due date at, uh, for the start of 2017. So your next opponent for Anthony Joshua, according to the IBF, will be the New Zealander that everybody seems to be uh, bounding around uh, in Joe Parker. Again, another live fighter. We don't really know how good he is because he hasn't really fought anybody of what we would class as massive stature. Um, but a test for Anthony Joshua, but you'd expect him to come through that as well. Good, yeah, exactly. There's probably only a, you know, there's probably two or three guys at the moment that you wouldn't back him to beat you know it's uh, and, and they're of course Tyson Tyson Fury and Vladimir Klitschko and yeah. potentially Deontay Wilder maybe Povetkin that, that's about it really you know they, anybody anybody other than that you know Joshua starts as a as a strong favourite again Joseph Parker the guys are undefeated he's had like 19 or 20 fights he's never lost a fight so yeah. you, know, you can't criticise that as an opponent that's a good opponent by the IBF that they're pushing forward there. So well, the li- the likelihood, right, is Joe. Obviously, Joe Parker November, um, and then other names that are realistic. David A is not realistic. It won't happen because it, it's too dangerous, I suppose. And he hasn't, in my opinion, earned the right for a shot at Anthony Joshua. Now, now I'm not saying that these other guys have earned a right. I'm just saying that these are more likely. They make more sense. One of which is a Dillian White rematch because of how good the first fight was um, and there's definitely needle between the pair of them. That's legit and that could probably get made for 2017. The other one is a mate of ours. Price is number 12 in the IBF. They would think to themselves, yeah, it sells out. We can sell it on the Olympic story and it's a fight that we'd probably win is where Anthony Joshua's team would come from. David Price is a far more realistic chance to be made in 2017 with Anthony Joshua than David Hayes. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right there as well because uh, you know we're, we've had Pricey in the studio and we've three fights that he has lost and the guys have been busted for drugs on two of those three occasions and stuff. You know you question all of those all of those defeats and just just think about who else is around and you know that that could potentially come in. Derek Chisora. Does anybody want to see Anthony Joshua blow away Derek Chisora? I don't think so. Um, it's, it's it's exciting at the moment because the heavyweight division, there is so many questions. There isn't just this Klitschko family tree sitting at the top of it anymore. You know, it, it's all changed now and it's great to see. Mm. Like said, Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, and even Tyson Fury take over the division. You do feel like it's the, the next generation. But from what we've seen so far, why would anybody question the fact Joshua is probably the number one? What do you make Deontay, of... What do you make? Wilder's undefeated as well, don't get me wrong, and he's got a similar ridiculous knockout record. But from what I've seen, whether you think he's too muscular or whether you think his punches aren't quite snappy enough or whatever, he's been the most impressive so far. He's, he's the finisher in the, in the division, and for me, he's the number one. 
What do you make of the situation regarding Fury and Klitschko? Obviously, that was due for uh, July the 9th. We were going to be sat here today uh, going through it and getting all excited about it. However, that fight is off due to a sprained ankle, we are being told, uh, on Tyson Fury's part. Then, the day after that he announces that, he's out in Nice with England fans buying 200 Jaeger bombs and getting right amongst it with the uh, uh, Euro football. That's one way of coming down, I suppose, from getting yourself an injury for a big world title fight. The rumour is that it will be remade uh, for some time in October. It just doesn't sit right with boxing fans. I like Tyson. I've spoken to him many, many times and he's a, he's always been sound with me. But it just doesn't sit right as a boxing fan that, oh yeah, I'm, we're not going to do that and I'm out partying the day after. To be honest with you, I always, from the day that fight was made, I didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, I, I really didn't. That's, that's genuine. One, I didn't think the venue was right. Don't get me wrong, it's Manchester Arena as close as you'll get to Tyson Fury's home and all that, but it just wasn't a, a big enough venue. I just felt like that venue, they were kind of wasting the event by putting it there because they sort of could have sold so much, so many more tickets. But not only that, it just didn't... The thing with Fury is, and certainly with Klitschko over the years, you know, he's given him a taste of his own medicine. The Klitschkos are famous for, for mind games and playing around with people and... You know, they, they tried it on Tyson the first time around by putting the extra sponge under the canvas and everything else yeah. when he was out in Germany. And then that fight was on and off. And, you know, I had a feeling something was going to happen here because there's always a, a weird narrative towards these Klitschko fights. And Tyson Fury's in his element. He loves all this madness. And it wouldn't surprise me. I'm not doubting for a second that Tyson Fury hasn't got a, an ankle injury. But, um, you know, there's, there's always a narrative with these big title fights, certainly the ones involved in the Klitschko. Something's always going on behind closed doors. It's a, the fight starts when the, when the fight is announced, long before the, the opening bell. You know, the, 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 the barbs in the press conferences and the one-upmanship and the I'm not wearing these gloves and I'm not quite ready and the fight needs to be moved. This is all part of the merry dance which the Klitschkos themselves became masters of, and Tyson Fury's just in his element, he's playing them at it. So, yeah, when it was announced, I uh, I had no expectations of that fight actually taking place on that date. I knew it would be moved. And from a fight-fan point of view, I'm kind of happy too, because the UFC 200's the same weekend. So, <laughs> <laughs> let's bump it and keep that weekend free, please. No, absolutely, that is going to be epic, and we'll get to that in a minute. Just want to talk about the undercard of the Anthony Joshua uh, night on, on Saturday. The big one was obviously Groves Murray. We put our cards on the table. Our man who uh, has been on our show on uh, a couple of occasions, Martin Murray, we backed him to do the business. Both said that it would go the distance and he would win it on points. Um, we Well, we got one part of that, right? It did go the distance. Um, but I was, in a way, I was I was pleasantly surprised with George Groves. Even though I'm, a, I'm a, a fan of Martin Murray and I wanted Martin to win, no question about that. It was, in a way, good to see George Groves back to the George Groves pre-Carl Frotch. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it was it really was George firing all cylinders. That was that was one of the best performances we've seen from him since that first Carl Frotch fight. Probably is the best performance we've seen since that fight. So you know when we spoke last week I you know I alluded to the fact that I thought George Groves was gonna win on points. Obviously as a yeah. friend of ours we wanted Martin to win but I always I always thought George probably had that little bit extra that little bit extra size and maybe that little bit extra um, incentive really to move forward. It's it's tough now for Martin Murray because he's absolutely such a an incredible guy uh, and he's got such an incredible career with so many world title fights and so many near misses 
The problem now, of course, is you know he he needs to bounce back now with a big win over another world level super middleweight. Categorically, he can't go any lower than that because he'll never come back. Yeah. All he can do now, I think, is bounce back with a big win and hope that George Groves goes on to fight the Gale, which is obviously the fight we definitely want to see now. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, hopefully Martin Murray picks up the pieces from there. Listen, the great thing is the Gale's a world champion. Callum Smith's got world, tit- world champion written all over him. George Groves is back in the world title mix. You know, we're, we're not short on top-class super middleweights in this country. And while Martin Murray may have to go to the back of the queue temporarily, opportunities will knock again in 2017 I'm sure and uh, looking at his career looking at what he's done and the fights he's taken certainly overseas you know no one would begrudge him a title fight back on home shore in 2017 and I think the phone might ring uh, you mentioned DeGale's name there. He's obviously the IBF champion and it would be great to see him teaming up uh, with George Groves once again to get a bit of a, uh, a Barney on. But that fight the weekend was a WBA uh, eliminator and I'm led to believe... I don't know what the situation is with Felix Sturm at this moment in time. He's been done for drugs and they're they, they dragging the feet a little bit. But if Sturm is stripped uh, of his belt, then the WBA will uh, order George Groves, now the winner of that fight, to fight Fedor Chudinov for the WBA strap a fight that you'd back George Groves to win, especially um, with his boxing skill. The, that, Like you just mentioned there, the range, the jab, all those types of things would go in his favour in this fight. And you'd, and you'd think at the fourth time of asking, he would not throw this one away. No, definitely not. You know, I think he seems to have, um, it's hard to say he seems happier now in this camp that he's in and everything else, but he does seem to be, Got his back to his best. You Keeps, know, he he kept changing trainers, didn't he? Changing trainers, yeah. different, uh, you know. And then we had the blame, obviously, with the Badu Jack. He was blaming Paddy in the corner that uh, he gave him the wrong information to go and win that fight. All these things have been, he, we've been hearing a lot of that type of stuff. But with Shane McGuigan, he does seem a lot more calmer and he seems like he's just back on his game and doing what he does best boxing. Yeah. He does, yeah. You know, and that's what George Grove's strong point always was, you know. It's, he stopped moving his head for a while there, you know, he, he started believing in his own hype and just throwing bombs and he was happy to take one to land one with. I thought he was a bit more intelligent against Martin Murray at the weekend. Yeah, very much so. Times. Certainly in the first first half of the fight anyway. So, um, you know, it was a vintage George Groves display and I think you're right. I think if the, the Chudanov fight comes off, I think that's a fight that he definitely wins. Uh, Chudanov's the guy who's just lost to Felix Sturm, I believe, in his last fight. So, um, that's obviously why he's getting a shot at the belt because Sturm was busted in the aftermath of that. So, yeah, when you when you look at that guy, I think we've seen Chudanov fighting. He fought at Wembley. Um, I think it may have even been a George Groves card. He, he fought against uh, Buglioni over here and won mm. on points. There's certainly nothing there that you would that you would be fearful of if you were in the George Groves camp. And sensational, you know, we could have we could have two world champions in the super middleweight division before the end of the year. Uh, speaking of the WBA uh, governing body, what did you make of the welterweights at the weekend over in the States? I mean, what a barnstormer that was between Keith Thurman and uh, Showtime Sean Porter, obviously former four of uh, of Kel Brook. Kel Brook was in the studio for Sky watching that, the current IBF champion at welterweight, £147. I, I didn't know what to make of this fight going into it, but I'm yeah. glad that I watched it. I'm glad that I took the time to watch all 12 rounds of this because... Both men just put it on there and it was one of those where you get big stars coming together sometimes and it doesn't live up to it, i.e. Mayweather Pacquiao. And you just think to yourself, I've just wasted 
36 minutes of my life watching that nonsense. But this, I didn't know, right, even right till the end, I didn't know which way it was going to go. And I always felt that there might be a knockout round the corner. Knockout didn't come, but i tell you something, they didn't half go for it. They did, and it was, uh, you're right, it was sensational. Absolutely sensational. I watched, I recorded it, and then I watched, um, I watched some highlights from HBO, whatever it was, on social media on the Sunday morning. And I did the same thing. As soon as I put the baby to bed, I was straight downstairs and I watched the full 12 rounds. It was absolutely vintage boxing, you know, fight of the year. And yeah. you're right, going down the stretch in that 12th round, toss a coin, toss a coin, who, who wins that fight. And, is, know, is, that, me, is that one of those fights where you go to yourself, that is, that is absolutely, to a T, that saying, styles make fights. Two contrasting styles, but they yeah. gelled so well together in giving the fans something quite spectacular. It was perfect, you know. There was one of them fights where you kick yourself because you're like, I would love, I would absolutely have loved to have been in the audience that night because neither of them, both of them turned up in Brooklyn to take the title home. Neither of them, you know, usually in a fight you can kind of go, well, that guy's got a bit more confidence, he's got the power or he's got this. Both these guys went to Brooklyn to come home with a WBA welterweight title and um, both of them left everything in the ring and they both had incredible moments they both had to dig into the dig into the well you know and bite down on their gum shield and it turned out to be one of the fights of the year and um, my only issue now is I know Kel was like calling for a fight with Keith Sim and so he should after previously beating Sean Porter but I'll be honest, looking at that welterweight division, what fight do I want to see next? I want to see Keith Thurman versus Sean Porter again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rematch, rematch well, please. I, well, I would love to see that fight again. That's a pay-per-view fight now. I think Thurman was actually uh, also calling out uh, Danny Garcia in order to unify the division that way because over in the States, that's the bigger seller. No offence to Kel Brook, big fan of his, love him to pieces, but he doesn't sell a ticket in the States at this moment in time. Danny Garcia, Keith Thurman sells all day long. Of course it does, yeah, and it's a it's a great fight for the US US market potential pay per view fight. You know, it's uh, Danny Garcia is never in a dull fight, and you know the Ring magazine love it when they unify WBC WBA titles. That guy would really be the number one. Problem there, of course, is who does Kel fight? How does Kel stay in the mix? Kel doesn't want to fight Sean Porter again. He's already got that win on his record last time he went to the US. He might have he to though. Fresh meat. He might have he to. He needs fresh meat. Yeah, he needs fresh meat. What? What? It's a it's a lose lose fight for Kell Brook to yeah. go over to America and risk it all against Sean Porter. Because even if he wins, people go, "Well, yeah, you've already beat him." You know, and as you write, Styles make fights. Thurman versus Porter made for a great fight. And yeah. I'm, I'm always at the oak that if, if two guys go at it like that, and you know they earn they earn good money in a world title fight, and it's a brilliant fight. I'm always at the oak that you know what if it was that good, fans will pay to see it again. Yeah, the guys will get much bigger paydays. Do it again. Do it again and just say to Sean Porter, listen, we'll do this fight again. We'll earn twice as much money. We'll do pay-per-view. We'll go to Las Vegas. You know, it'll sell out incredibly. But listen, if you win, we do a rubber match. Yeah. Or if you win, you know, on points or in a late stoppage or whatever, you know, as long as it's not a quick stoppage that no one wants to see. But, what I, you know, if you win the belt from me, I'm agreeing to fight, you have to fight me back, so it's going to be a third fight. Listen, it didn't do the likes of, uh, you know, Barrera and... and, and you know, that kind of generation there, they all did a lot of triple headers and double yeah. header fights. Well, look you at know. Pacquiao Marquez. How many did we get of them? We got about That's 25 of them, didn't we? Exactly. <laughs> we had five fights between Pacquiao and Marquez. Why? Because they were always entertaining. 
It was always a different victor. There was always controversy. More than anything, there was always big pay-per-view numbers. Yeah. So if these two work, this works as a fight, do it again. I'd love to see it again. My God, I'll stay up. I'll stay up until 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning to watch a rematch. Spe- that fight was brilliant. Speaking of pay-per-view fights, there's two. Uh, well, one's been made, um, and one is highly likely to be made, maybe by the back end of this week, by, t- by the time people are listening to this podcast. I'll talk about the uh, hypothetical one at this moment in time, uh, because I thought that he was fantastic against Tom Doran at the weekend. I'm referring to Eubank Jr. I knew that they yeah. were talking uh, to Triple G's camp before this fight. It's looking highly likely that it will happen. Fair play to Eubank Jr. He backs himself, doesn't he? Taking on the pound-for-pound pound best. I mean, sure does, yeah, but that's the biggest money fight out there for him. You know what? Nobody wants to fight Triple G, so if you step in to fight Triple G, you announce yourself to the US, the US market. You know, that's an opportunity for Eubank to break into the US. Um, and that's what they're looking at. They're seeing that as a massive opportunity. They know it's the toughest fight in the division. But as long as you go the distance with Triple G, as long as you prove yourself against Triple G, you know. You've landed. You arrive as a as a global star. So, what do you make of him, Eubank Junior? Do you think he can do a job on Triple G? I think it's a massive difference fighting Triple G than it is fighting Tom Dore. Yeah, to be totally honest with you, you know, uh, my whole thing with with the Eubanks is that you know he is world class. I'll give you that right now. He's one hundred percent a world class operator. But you know, apart from the fight against Billy Joe Saunders. Which he lost. Yeah, he doesn't mix them world class, in my opinion. You know that Tony Gita guy that he fought for the the interim title or whatever. Who's that guy? I've never heard of that guy before. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have said that guy was one of the best middleweights on the planet. Yeah. Uh, you know, and since then, obviously, we had the the Nick Blackwell fight, and now he's just fought Tom Doran. Yeah, we get it, Chris. You know, you're the best British level. Middleweight, you know, categorically, we know that. You're not showing us anything we don't know. But move on. You know, Triple, don't get me wrong, Triple G's great, but why would you want to prepare to face Triple G by fighting Gary O'Sullivan, Nick Blackwell, and Tom Doran? Mm. You know, they're not world class operators. All, you know, those guys are great domestic level fighters. Hopefully, you know, two out of the three at least will go on and achieve maybe even a little bit more than that, but they're certainly not world class. The only world class guy. Chris Eubank Jr. ever fought, as I say, was Billy Joe Saunders, and he lost that fight on a decision. So, you know, it's one thing calling out Triple G, it's another thing stepping into the ring with him. So I, t- I think I'll reserve real comment on, on whether, you know, if and when that fight even happens. At the mm. moment, Eubanks are good at selling themselves, as we know, and there's no better way to sell yourself at the moment than be talking about in the same breath as Triple G if you're a middleweight. So, if they sign on the dotted line, they take the fight. Great. My comment then would be, you know, he's shooting for the he's shooting for the stars. You know, good on him. He's daring to be great. But me personally, preparing to face Triple G, you fight three domestic level fighters in a row. You know, you're doing yourself no favors. Uh, one fight that he's definitely made. September the seventeenth. We think it may be Vegas. Definitely somewhere in the states. Um, Canelo Alvarez is back out again against another Brit, and that is uh, a pal of ours. Liam Smith. We were tipped off about this maybe about 10 days ago. So on last week's podcast, we alluded to it. We, th- we thought that it would happen, but then it's one of them where you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself because these we've seen these things fall through in the last minute and people take other fights. Um, but when this was announced, I think it was late Friday night that it was it was blasted all over Box Nation and, and, and announced to the world uh, that Beefy would be taking his WBO 
uh, junior middleweight crown, £154, over to the States to take on the man that maybe people argue that is the pound-for-pound best against uh, Triple G, Canelo. Uh, in the States, it didn't have... I'll tell you something, it made me... Everything on my body just went woof! That, it, you, get, you get that vibe every now... Just once in a blue moon, really. And when that was announced, it was one of them when I thought to myself, now that is something else. This is the fight that really could announce Liam Smith as as the fighter that we believe that he actually is. Yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. And, you know, we knew he'd take it. God, of course, he's going to take it. And he, and he comes to the table with with silverware as well. You know, he's the world... This is the right time, though, isn't it? This is the time yeah. where he's, he's beaten... With all due respect, unless he's fighting the Char- either of the Charlos, uh, Erisandli, Lara, unless he's fighting them, there's nobody else in that division other than Canelo, is there? And we're talking a super fight, a super, super fight for him. So fair play to him because people, casual fans have been calling for years. He needs to step up, needs to step up. Now he's done it. Right, come on then. Yeah. Let's get on the bandwagon. Exactly. You know, and it's huge, not just for... Not just for British boxing, but certainly for Merseyside boxing as well. You know, it's uh, it's magnificent for the city, a city that's got such a proud history of in in boxing, both amateur and pro. You know, as far as I can as far as I can recall, no one's ever fought for a title. No scouser has ever fought for a title in Las Vegas. I, I can't even recall any fighters, any any scousers boxing in Las Vegas recently. Uh, certainly in the last few years, but. It's the title match is, is such a big thing. That's why I'm hoping, I'm praying it's going to be Las Vegas because I want Beefy to, to leave his mark, make his mark on boxing history because one on occasion that would be able to say, yes, Andy Holligan, yes, there was John Conte, you know, both WBC world champions, neither of them fought in Las Vegas. The Wenton brothers, Richie and Nigel Wenton, both, both fought for version to the world title. That was in Atlantic City. Uh, more recently, of course, Tony Bellew's world title fight was in Canada. You know, we've we've spent a lot of time. Scousers have spent a lot of time across the Atlantic in, in title fights, if you like, over the years. But nobody has fought in Las Vegas for a title, as far as I know. You know, I stand to be corrected, but as far as I mm. can see, no one's ever fought for a title. And that's to, to be from a proud boxing city like Liverpool, and to be able to do anything first like that, to be able to be anyone like I did that first. I did. It's such a big thing, you know. And I know Liam and his family will appreciate that because they know they, they're products of this of, of Liverpool's boxing environment, you know. And they'll know how much a thing that is for this city that he has he has stepped forward and he's going to fight for the hopefully defend his world title successfully in Las Vegas. And my God, as we just touched on, you know, is there a bigger star out there to do it in? You know, imagine that Canelo Smith, Las Vegas. Oh, magnificent! What an occasion that would be, and uh, you know, you better believe half of Liverpool will be on flight for that one. Uh, now, after my uh, predicting last week, with me saying that Joshua will win uh, coming off the canvas, and Martin Murray will win on points, you'd think to yourself, Adam, don't bother, don't bother making any more <laughs> predictions, pal, because you keep getting it wrong. You're awful at this. However, I've called a couple in the past that have gone right, so I'm going to go as far as to say that Liam Smith won't get knocked out in that fight. I, I sat on the fence there. I was going to say that Liam Smith might cause an upset, but I don't think he'll get sparked out in that fight. It's, uh, it's a tough fight. You know, Canelo's the biggest star in Mexican boxing for a reason. You know, he, he hits very hard. And don't get me wrong, you know, 
Liam's as brave as they come. It, it's a tough fight. It's a tough fight. It, you know, if he can win that fight, then categorically it'd be the it'd be not only the biggest win in the history of Merseyside boxing for a scouser on the road, potentially it'd be one of the biggest wins for a British boxer overseas as well. Categorically, oh, I don't um, think there's any question about that, is there? That is that. that I mean, apart from Lloyd Hunnigan, maybe, but that is yeah, just Lloyd Hunnigan, Don Curry. Yeah, that may be the difference there. Is you see, um, Hunnigan went over there as the challenger, where Liam is the defending champion, if you like. So that that's the reason why I'd probably say, you know, that's why I'm questioning. If you know, but let's be honest here, let's call a spade a spade. This is a this is a real tough assignment for Liam Smith, but. You know, he wants to be great. He wants to make a he wants to make a lot of money. He wants to go down in history. These are the fights that do it. You've got to be in it to win it. And at the end of the day, Paul's had so much experience. Stevens had a lot of experience. Joe Gallagher now in the corner's got a lot of experience. Been around world title fights. Been around big world title fights as well. And if they were ever primed for this to happen, this is it. And you know, obviously Liam becoming world champion kind of came from left side a little bit. You know, we were all kind of building towards Callum becoming, you know, super middleweight champion of the world. Liam suddenly, oh, Liam won a world title. It kind of broadsided everybody. But this is this is what, this is his reward, if you like. This is his reward for capturing the world title. He's got the biggest fight in the division against the biggest money opponent in the division. And hopefully it's, it's going to be Las Vegas. And to see the Smith family name and bright lights in Las Vegas, well, you know, I know there's quite a few people, quite a few Mayside Fight fans on Liverpool that will take it quite a lot of comfort from that because they've had a huge following since they were amateur days. And to think that one of them is going to defend a world title in Las Vegas, well, it's the stuff dreams are made of. Next time with the Fight Disciples. There's only one thing for us to talk about next week. UFC 200. It is going to be epic. July the 9th. Viva Las Vegas, the destination. And we'll be building up to all the big ones. The return of Brock. Johns and Cormier Part 2. Do not miss it. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.